Welcome, everyone, to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, also known as Wolf. And uh, with me is my co-host, Anthony. You want to say hi? Good evening, everyone. How are y'all? I hope we uh, find you well. This is PRT. That's the uh, Paranormal Roundtable. So what we're going to talk about tonight, we're going to get into some pretty weird uh, stuff. But before we do, we're going to talk about our email address, which is joshturnerprtpodcast.com. And of course, there's prtpodcast.com. A lot of you send me stories through all kinds of channels. You send me stories through emails. You send me stories through uh, Messenger, however you can get through. Well, just send them. And uh, we do have groups on Facebook. Uh, as always, we're going to do a giveaway. And we will have the link to this show as an official link to the giveaway in our group, Paranormal Roundtable. And you will be able to go and leave a comment and possibly win a book, an autographed book from many different authors. Who knows which author you'll get. Um, we have a lot of famous people that we're friends with from the show. Um, Nick Redfern. We have uh, Lon Strickler. We got Barton Nunley. We got Ken Gerhardt, David Weatherly, Linda Godfrey. There's a lot of them. And they're all friends of mine. Lyle Blackburn are very nice people. And uh, Chad Lewis. And so you might get a book from any one of them. And uh, it'll be autographed, and you will get uh, some PRT swag. So that being said, we are moving uh, forward uh, with uh, the the show. We're still doing uh, every Friday. We drop a show, and uh, this is going to be, I believe, our second show back after our hiatus. Um, and this one is going to be particularly uh, freaky. So I don't know if if you're if you're prone to being scared, you know, and and you don't want and you're you know, maybe you shouldn't listen. It's just so weak. I'm just kidding, folks. Let me give you my address too. If you want to send us anything, sometimes people send us stuff in the mail, and they kept wanting an address, so we did, and we get all kinds of of neat stuff that people will send us, and uh, and we appreciate that too. That's six thousand one West Palmer Lane, Palmer P A R M E R. P-A-R-M-E-R, Lane, Suite 370, PMB 131, Austin, Texas, 78727. That is our mailing address. You can send us things, whatever you want to do. We are definitely always looking for stories, so you can hit me up and send me stories. Uh, you got the email address. You got the uh, the mailing address. Um, join the groups, Paranormal Lounge, Paranormal Encounters. Paranormal Lounge is Nelly's group. Paranormal Encounters is Mushu's group. Mine and everyone else's group is Paranormal Roundtable. And uh, that's where you'll you'll have the link to the contest where you can make a comment and uh, maybe win something cool. And then we have Whisper to a Scream, which is one of our affiliates, which is Ryan Tremblay. He's a member of the PRT family. Uh, we like Ryan a lot. He's a good guy. And we have um, – our fan pages, we have one that's Josh Wolf Turner, that's uh, the, the older of the fan pages that we created. And then we have Josh Turner's fan page, which was created by uh, one of our listeners, Phil Stern, good guy. And uh, so that are, that are, that those are our fan pages. And then we have one for uh, the Paranormal Roundtable, which is a, uh, a, a, a fan page that was created by, I believe, you, Anthony. Yeah. Those are our pages, our groups, um, 6,000 strong in the uh, Paranormal Roundtable group uh, page. A lot of cool stuff. People send me stuff. I'm getting stories off of there, too. You know, people sending me stories. 
Um, so a lot of cool stuff happening. Uh, with that being said, do we got anything else we need to talk about? Not about covers it. Okay. So we're going to move forward. And tonight, what are we talking about tonight, Anthony? Talking about these giant mantis creatures. Giant mantis creatures. And when I talk about these giant mantis creatures, I'm not talking about a praying mantis you see out in your garden. I'm talking about... Like a humanoid looking, well, humanoid looking mantis creature. Not like a giant praying mantis, but apparently they have like a praying mantis head and praying mantis like limbs where arms should be. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. Yeah, and, 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 and it's weird because you get a mixed bag. Just like with the greys. When, with the alien abduction phenomena, you get a mixed bag. With the reptilians, same thing. Anthony, you've been around this enough to know that there is such a wide variety of the reptilians, wide variety, just like Sasquatch, there's a wide variety of them. There's a wide variety of dogmen. There's a wide variety of these mantis creatures too. Some of them look pale with big bulbous eyes kind of on the sides of their head and have a head that's shaped like a mantis right down to the weird little mouth. But they'll only have like four limbs and the the front limbs will kind of, uh, you know, they'll have like the weird kind of elbow and it'll kind of bend at a weird angle. Um, and then they'll have these weird spindly legs and some of them will have like the little, um, I don't know what you call them on the back of their legs, like these ridges that stick out on the back of their leg. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we've gotten some weird stories. And so we have been collecting these stories and, you know, of course, first story I ever got about one of these was from a woman that had been abducted, and this was back in like 2000, I think, when she gave me the stories. And it was her and her sister, and they gave the stories to me and my friend Scorpion. But her sister had seen one of these mantis creatures kind of lurking in the background, but she, the the, the girl that had given me the story, had, had not seen it and couldn't really divulge a whole lot of information about it because she didn't know. She just said her sister saw this weird... Uh, mantis-like creature when she was on what she believes was a ship. So we we got all these stories, and so I decided to put them together. And it, and this could easily uh, be a two-parter, but but we're just going to do enough for one show today, and then we're going to get into it. You know, we'll probably come back and revisit this and get the other stories out there because the ones we got right now will take up probably the the the, the duration of our time. So. We're going to start with there was a there was a girl and and this was was here in Austin Texas well right outside of Austin Texas Mount Bunnell and Anthony you know about Mount Bunnell and at one time they had started cracking down on people going up to Mount Bunnell late at night and I think that they had it was t- it was usually around eleven or twelve um, they would kind of go up there and check the security and they would make sure that there was no buddy up there messing around whatever. Well, uh, these people were clever. So what they did was they parked on the side of the on the side of a residential area, and they just walked up there because the patrol. A lot of times, the security would go by and they would see if there's a vehicle there. And I know this because I had a friend who actually did security. And if they didn't see a vehicle, they oh, there's nobody up there, and they just go on. And then they wouldn't do another hit for another like hour. So, anyways, uh, the the these people got clever, and they decided to park their vehicle. Uh, alongside of that, and I know you I wish I could describe people at home. There's, you know, that little road you turn, that that left turn right there. Yeah, Anthony, if you go straight, you hit it's balconies. Uh-huh. And then you take the yeah, you that little left turn right there. You can park right there outside of some people's houses or whatever. I guess they parked there and they just went and they walked up to to the to the top of the hill. 
Uh, it was a girl. Uh, we'll give her a name. Uh, we'll call her T- uh, Teresa. I just, I don't even, I'll just call her that. That's not her name. But, uh, and we'll call her boyfriend, Brian. Uh, Teresa and Brian uh, went up there and they hiked up. Now it's a long, Anthony can tell you, there's, it's a long hike up there. If you're out of shape, by the time you get to the top, yeah, you'll be breathing hard if you were fat and out of shape like I was a few years ago. I can run up that ding thing now, but. Yeah, it's a lot of stairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you go, even if you go to the to the to the end of it, going toward the west end of it, and then you walk up, uh, you're you're going up really weird, like it's like rocky, steep incline, you know. Yeah. And you got to watch your step. You got to be very careful. Well, they went up there and they were hanging out, and uh, they were just sitting on one of the park benches up there. There's like these cement benches under this little atrium looking thing. And they were, they were just having a conversation. Um, and they were talking about getting engaged. And, uh, this, these people had never had any, as far as they knew, they had never had any, uh, past, um, anything to do with, and I, I talked to both of them. Neither one of them had anything to do with aliens. They'd never had an abduction. They had never seen a UFO, nothing. Okay, they were not interested in the subject. They weren't reading, you know, Bud Hopkins books, anything like that. It wasn't anything like that. Okay, they actually were just there hanging out, talking, and he was going to talk to her about, hey, can you know, why don't we get engaged? And that was his big plan that night. Well, uh, plans change. And uh, they, they went up there about one in the morning, and they were just looking out over the lake. It's a very beautiful place, folks, if you ever come to Austin – and um, they see what looks like a shimmering star across the lake that gradually got bigger and bigger. It was flickering a greenish blue. Then it was like a pronounced green, blue, pronounced green, blue, like back and forth. And it just got bigger and bigger till it became very bright. And they, at that point, they both, that's it. Like they don't remember anything after that other than waking up and Brian, we'll just get to his first. What happened to Brian, he just woke up and was on the ground. And he was laying at the foot of the, the of uh, Mount Bunnell, uh near the, uh, the west end. Now, what happened to Teresa is a lot more terrifying. Um, she woke up. And she was in a what looked like a lab type area, room, whatever. Uh, this took place back in 1998. I believe it was 19 or yes, 1999 or 98. And so, cause that she's 22 years ago. What is that? Is that, is that 99? That's what my yeah, notes are. So. Yeah. My notes are saying 22. So 1999. Okay. And I think that was right around the time they started kind of like, you know, technically you were supposed to be out of there by a certain time because people were having big parties and just going nuts up there. And we used to do that back in the early nineties to mid nineties. And then we just so much stuff happened that they started regulating it. And there were usually other people that would do that. They would sneak around up there until somebody threw them out. So, um, but if the security had just gone through there, I can imagine that they would probably be alone for a little while. So that's what happened. Um, they said it was about two or three in the morning and, uh, she woke up and she was laying on a table. She wasn't strapped down or anything like that. She, she didn't have her clothes. Their clothes were taken from her and she was in what amounted to a very uncomfortable, uh, and not form fitting hospital gown. 
And she said she was on a metal slab and it was very cold. The room was cold and smelled very sterile. And uh, she looks over to her right, directly to her right. Okay. And she sees a person that looked lifeless. Oh. And they were like the, the, the head was turned in her direction and the eyes were open, but you could tell that it was. Tell it was a corpse. It was a corpse. Yes. And it was of a female. Um, and she was just like, what the heck is that? And she's like, oh my gosh. Then she screams and then this door opens up and she said it was very much like, you know, like a door just choosh, you know, and and I'm like, what does that mean? You know, like, like it slid straight up. Yeah. Like it was like, it opened, like, like it just went whoop and it was open, you know? And she said kind of like how an elevator opens, but from up and down. Yeah. And these two beings walk in. One was a very tall, slender uh, bulbous-headed, gray, very much like the stereotypical gray aliens you see. It had a blue uniform on, okay, long sleeves, long pants, almost like a jumpsuit. And then it, it uh, had a, a companion that kind of ducked its head and came into the room, and it looked very similar to the gray, but it had a weird triangular head with a weird-looking mouth and they were both communicating, but they were not moving their mouths. And they were speaking in some sort of weird language that she could not understand. And she said that they 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 appeared to be almost like they were uh, negotiating something. And so this mantis-type creature um, walked over to the table. She said it had really long, skinny arms, and the arms kind of unfurled, okay? And they had, like, little barbs underneath the arms where the forearms should have been. Yeah. And she didn't get a real good look at the legs, but she assumed that they were very similar. She just saw it from the front. And it comes over to her, and it be- and it puts this weird rod over her head, and it begins to ask her questions. And it says, if you answer correctly, this won't be a problem. If you answer incorrectly, you will feel pain. But so, so she could understand it at this yes, point? Yes. At that point, it was talking to her in her in a language that she could understand. Uh, her original country was, she used from Bosnia. Okay. Now her, her, Brian was from here. He was an American, uh, and he was, he was ex-military, whatever he, you know. So anyways, that was her, you know, her initial whatever. And then they left the room and she's sitting there terrified when this metal rod was placed over her head. The way, the only way she described it was like it was balanced on there. She couldn't move. She became immobile. She was Im- she was completely immobile. The creatures they were gone. She said she 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 couldn't tell the time. She didn't know how long it was, but eventually they came back. She said if I had to estimate, because I kept saying, can you please just give me an estimate? She said 20, 30 minutes maybe. Okay. You know. Now in a situation like that, it could it could be, you know how dogs are. Whenever you leave the room, you die, and then you come back in and you're alive again. Yeah. The cat very much thinks Anthony, when he goes to the bathroom, he begins to freak out and meow because he knows that Anthony is dead and hopefully he's going to come back to life by coming out of the room. So time, you know, it's all relative depending upon, you know, I'm not comparing her to a cat or a dog, but I'm saying like in that situation, you were very much the lower life form, I believe. And and your perception of time time is just completely skewed. skewed. Yeah. And she she said, I don't even want to lie. She's like 20, 30 minutes, maybe. So anyways, she they came back into the room. Now, at this point, there were two of the uh, mantis-looking creatures, and one was just way taller and bigger than the first one. 
it came up and began, and it put two little things, little, what she said looked like black magnets, like you see on the back of like something that goes on your refrigerator. Mm -hmm. They put, she put them right next to the ear. And she said that the metal rod kind of positioned itself and, and began to hover above where those two magnets were. And she felt like pressure and heat on her head. And they began to ask her questions. What's your name? What did the, what did the, what did the people call you? Blah, blah, blah. Um, how old are you? When were you born? Where were you? You know, all these questions. Where, where were you born? You know, what's your favorite color? What do you, blah, blah, blah. Just, she said after probably 50, 60 questions, she didn't feel any pain. But then they asked her a question. They said, are you scared? She says, yes, I'm scared. And they says, do, do, do you, um, was this your friend? You know, the, the person that they were, were talking to, uh, the guy, about the guy, you know, they show him, they show an image of him kind of on like a, on the wall. It was like a screen. She's like, yes, that's my friend. She's like, is, are you in, is this, do you love him? Do you have an emotional attachment to him? And she said, no. Okay. She doesn't know at that point why she said no, but she felt like maybe she was just trying to protect him maybe because they, they, she felt they were, they were evil and they would try to hurt him to make her respond emotionally. Yeah. So she said no. And at that point she felt this horrible jolting pain go through her head. And they said, we advise you not to lie again. Tell the truth. At this point now, I'm not even going to get into some of the graphic details of what they did to her because it's not something that I should talk about on this show. Um, but they did do different things to her. Um, they put things on her ankles, <clears throat> which caused her an intense pain. She felt a burning in her back. And then when she woke up, she was on the cement uh, table being being woken up by a security guard. And that's all that happened that she remembered. But she woke up being on a table being asked if she was okay by a security guard. Um, and I even know the the – the, the company at that time that had that, I'm pretty sure, I think I know who it was, not the guard itself, but I know who had that. And so she was told, get up. You know, he was told, he told her to get up. You know, you can't lay here or whatever. Where are your clothes? She didn't have her clothes. She's like, I, I don't know. And she's, and then they, they found the, the fiance down at the bottom of the hill. Both of them did not have clothes. They didn't know where their clothes were. Um, both of them had similar uh, injuries like like uh, uh, weird looking uh, marks on their head and their ankles. Um, they were told not to talk about this to anyone uh, by the gray that was in the blue suit. He said, "Don't talk about it. Don't take photographs. Don't do anything. Don't ever you know blah blah blah." Well, obviously, years and years go by, and they reached out and they you know I got the story. Um, but it was a horrific incident that happened and for years she had nightmares about it. Now there have not been any, um, like return visits as far as she knows. She hasn't been like re-abducted. They haven't like come back and they're not like harassing her and coming after her. And, you know, some people they'll have these things happen to them and, uh, you know, it's, it's like, it's a recurring thing. It just keeps happening. But, uh. There were, there were no subsequent visits after that. Like nobody came back and said, okay, you know, we're here to reprobe you and do things, vile things to you. Nothing like that ever happened. It was just what she believes were like nightmares. Um, but she really believes they were just nightmares. And I asked her that and I was very, very, uh, 
you know, I was very adamant to, I said, are you sure these were just nightmares, you know, just from your brain? It wasn't, you don't think, she said, no, I really think I know the difference between a nightmare. She's like, that was just like an absolute, I was completely awake. This really happened. This is not a nightmare type thing. Um, you know, and so another weird thing about this, this, this incident was the insides of their mouths were like burned. They had like little tiny blisters on the insides of their mouths. Something was put into their mouth. They don't remember it happening, but it did something to the insides of their mouths. And there were little, there was like a little sore on the insides of their ear. So I don't know what that was or what happened. Um, they do believe that they took blood and tissue from them. Um, and that is, uh, what happened. That's their story. That's what they claimed happened. This, this happening somewhere as prominent as Mount Manel is very weird. Something that they need, neither one of them really liked to talk about. Um, Brian was not really, I don't think he was real comfortable talking about it. And I honestly, and think maybe there might've been more to his, but he just didn't, I don't think he wanted, really wanted to talk about it. It's, you know, it could have been a trust issue or something. Probably because when I called, I was like, this is government agent Boris from American Agency of America. Can you please tell me about your story that you had with these aliens? I am absolutely not one of these aliens. And he was all like, what the freaking? And I, and I was like, oh, okay, goodbye. And then I called back and said, okay, sorry, man. Uh, uh, not. And then he was like weirded out. I'm just kidding, folks. That not, that's not what happened. I didn't say Boris. I said Ivan. <clears throat> but anyways, enough of that. I just, th you know, you, when you look at this situation and you think, okay, this is a crazy story. Okay. Maybe two people got drunk. Okay. And if you're listening at home, I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm saying, think about it. Maybe they, maybe they were smoking, you know, maybe they were doing something. And then for some reason they start liking my show and they say, Hey, let's just give this guy a crazy story, man. Let's just tell him that, you know. But uh, I don't know what purpose that would serve, especially when it was very traumatic. And I don't think that that's what happened. I think these people were being honest with me. I think that something did happen to them. <clears throat> After a few conversations with them, I do believe that, that, that something happened. Now, years before this one was given to me, okay, I was given a story about a, an alien abduction. And this one I got, actually got at a party. We were talking about the aliens, reptilian agenda, blah, 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 and all this weird stuff. People were, were, were bringing up Area 51, Dulce, all that you know stuff. And it was one of my old roommates, uh, Pete, Pete, if you're out there listening, <clears throat> you probably remember we were all hanging out. And there was a big party. It was Squid, me, Diablo, Scorpion. We were all hanging out. Uh, the usual suspects. I think Chief might have been there. And we all started talking about aliens and stuff. And this one girl who was a friend of, I guess would be Tony's stepdad, Chad's, there was a girl there, was was the friend of his ex, you know, whatever. And she started talking about being abducted. And it's not a joke because some people were kind of laughing and being like, oh, okay, yeah, they probed you, blah, blah, blah. Well, she's like, yeah, well, it's not far off. And uh, so everybody kind of left the room. And I was in the den and back then Chad had like a den with some really cool, he had like these like arcades, like with a pinball and I was in there playing and it was just me and her. And I, I turned and I told her, I said, you know, I want, I want you to know something. I believe you. And she's like, really? 
And I was like, yeah, I believe you. I believe in all that. I was like, I know those other guys were kind of making, it was started out serious, but then they started making it into a joke. And Anthony, you've grown up with these guys. You know how they are. Yeah. They, they'll roast you about anything. Yeah. They'll find a button and push it. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, you got, you got probed. Sorry for your loss. Oh, it was terrible. That happened to you. Oh, you know, it just, it's, it's, it's a big joke to them, big game, whatever. And not all of them. But, nah. when, you know, when they've been drinking and doing stuff, there's no telling what's going to happen. Yeah. So this poor girl kind of got, you know, she got roasted a little bit and I felt really bad. And I finally put a stop to it and said, come on, guys, you know. So anyways, I'm in there and I'm playing uh, video games at Chad's house. And then me and her started talking and she told me uh, a pretty crazy story. So I said, hold on. And I ran back to my, my, my truck and I grabbed my notepad because, as you know, Anthony, I had journals of stuff written down. Yeah. So I started writing. I said, let me write this down, you know? And she's like, wait a minute. You're not going to like show anybody, are you? And at first I was like, well, I said, I'm planning on at some point maybe writing, you know, at this point it wasn't podcasts and all that. I was going to write a book. And so I said, but, but I don't know what I'm going to do. I just collect these stories because, you know, it's something I do. And she's like, okay, well just, you know, just don't use my real name. So I'm not. So, um, you know, that was years and years ago. So anyways, she gives me this story and she said that she had started, the first abduction she had was when she was seven and she was living out in West Texas. And this happened out near uh, Alpine, the city of Alpine. If you look at a map, it's way out in the middle of nowhere. And she said that her and her dad were driving down the highway and they had one of those little, uh, little bitty trucks back then. It was little Datsuns, you know, I don't know if anybody yeah. knows those. And they, they encountered what looked like a really, 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 really bright blue light that was coming down the highway. And they thought it was like a semi. And the guy was like, this guy needs to kill his brights. What's going on? And it was really low to the, you know, low, like it was low, but it was just high enough to where it was like right in their eyes. And they thought this is crazy. And so then he was getting ready to swerve and the blue light just kind of enveloped them. And the next thing you know, they are on the side of the road and they're waking up and there was like two hours it was gone. She never figured out what happened, but she believes that that's when the abduction started. Um, the dad didn't, they never did figure out like, you know, they got home and the mom was like, where were y'all? What's going on? It's like, you know, it's like 11 o'clock at night, you know, this, you know, you've been gone. You were supposed to be back at nine. Um, and it was on the road between Marfa and Alpine. Now, Marfa's known for the, the Marfa Lights, and I've talked about the city before. Now, in fact, DJ, that was a friend of mine, um, had an incident uh, with this do these two dogman creatures that he saw in a cemetery that he thought they were fighting, and then it turned out they were just kind of messing around, and they looked like abnormal wolves on two legs. And then, of course, there's a whole story behind that where they ended up attacking their their house during a Halloween party. But that, that, that's, that's a different story, but in the same vicinity, you know, and it, it is weird that that weird, that stretch of area out there near Fort Davis, all that, you know, you got the McDonald observatory, you know, it's one of the darkest places. And so you can go and look at the, the stars, really cool place. Every Friday they do like a star party where you can go out there and you can see all kinds of stars. So my grandfather took me out there when I was a kid, fell in love with it. It's really cool. Uh, my grandparents lived in Marfa, so that's you know it's pretty interesting. Alpine's a very beautiful city. It's got uh, I think uh, the the college there. I think it's Saul Ross. It's out there. So, anyways, that was the first uh, of her experiences. It started when she was seven. She said another uh, one was when she was ten. 
She had another experience. She walked outside. Her aunt was smoking a cigarette. Next thing you know, there's this bright light, and they they both wake up in the backyard. Was it a blue light again, or was uh, it just that, a light? No, she said she said it was just a light. She don't remember what color or anything because I did ask that question, and she said it was just like there was a light, like like a car would come around the corner. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they just the, the, this like this bright ball light, uh, you know, came from where what should have been a vehicle into the yard, and they were like kind of panicking, going like, "Oh no, we're going to get hit by a car!" And then they just wake up, and they're in the backyard. The aunt was babysitting her and her little sister. Her little sister was several years younger than her, so the little sister was asleep. So they woke up, and it was almost six a.m. That happened, she said, around midnight, and uh, they were in the backyard. So that, once again, she don't remember anything, you know, like, but now this one, she said it happened again when she was 12. Um, this one she does remember. And of course it started off with these little diminutive, uh, gray looking aliens coming into her bedroom. She, she was levitated off of the bed. She was, she was, she, she's like, fell, she's like, I was reading a book, fell asleep. And she, and I, I asked her, and I was even told, I was like, what was the book you were reading? Do you remember? And she's like, you know, I don't remember exactly. She's like, you know, I, I was trying to read a book that I was that I was told, you know, it was something for school. And she's like, I just remember having to read it, you know, and I was like 12 years old. And she's like, and I just remember thinking this book is boring. And she's like, I fell asleep. And, and then I wake up and I'm literally levitating. And I look around and there's four of these little gray looking, alien looking things with really big heads and black shiny eyes. And they took her down the hallway, past her mom and dad's bedroom. She said she could look with her eyes but not move her head. And she could see her parents asleep. She could see her sister and her older brother both asleep in their rooms. And they just she just went right past them. Now, she said that once they got outside, they, they were in the backyard. They said they had a very large four-bedroom house, is what she said. And she said that they were basically... Uh, there was like this triangular looking pyramided looking thing. Uh, they took her into it. And, uh, from that point, she don't remember. She, she went back unconscious. She woke back up. She was in her bed, but she was in her bed and her clothes were on backwards. Like her shirt was on backwards and she was laying there like all crumpled up. And she had like this weird, like, uh, like her eye felt like it, like, like there was like, it was burning, like it was infected. Like if it was something, uh, like, yeah. Yeah. And she said she had a metallic taste in her mouth and her nose. She could barely breathe out of her nose for days. And there was like, she was having nosebleeds. Now she said it happened again when she was 13, a couple times. This is the first time she was introduced to one of these mantis creatures. Now she said when she was 13, she was at a pool party at a friend's house and the friend, the friend, her friend, um, started having bad dreams. She was telling her about it and saying that these weird looking troll like creatures were coming out of these balls of light and entering through the wall and coming down the hallway and taking her out of her bedroom. And sometimes she would levitate out of the bedroom window. So her friend told her that. Okay. Now, uh, what was really weird about that, we'll call her Christina because, uh, you know, I actually got to interview her at one point, you know, I actually talked to her because th that friend was still around. Um, and we'll just give her that name. And, uh, so this other, the, the original girl, the first girl, I don't know what to call her. We'll just give her, we'll call her G that's her, you know, whatever. Um, Gina, we'll call her Gina. So Gina and, and Christina. 
So Gina, the original girl, was telling me these stories. And and then she told me up to the point where she was 13 and then they were having the big party, whatever. And then like everything started happening at the, at the get together that we were at. So then everybody kind of went and they left. And so I stayed in touch with her. And so I set up another time when she was over there hanging out and I went over there with you and, and, I, and this time, you know, I went over there completely ready to listen to her tell, you know, whatever. So I sat there with her for about two, three hours and just wrote down everything that she had told me. And um, one of the things that, that she told me, and I remember looking at these notes and comparing them to some other alien abductions that I had gotten stories about, some that I had read, like on Fate Magazine and different, you know, places I had gone to looking for information about these things. It matched up pretty well. For somebody who wasn't really into like ghosts or Bigfoot or anything like that, she knew what she was talking about. She wasn't like one of these people that's like, oh, this is really a passion of mine and then just starts telling you some BS. Yeah, just you lined know? up with a lot of other accounts. Yeah, like she goes, I'm going to make an amalgamation of a bunch of accounts and I'm going to, you know, it wasn't like that. She, she told me, you know, exactly what was going on. And so, you know, and, and I listened very intently and I had, I, be, I believe, you know, Diablo was with me at one point D. I think him, you know, maybe Willie was there. And, and so there were, there, there were a couple people when I talked to her over the course of two, two three different meetings, I think uh, three different meetings. So she told me about these abductions. Now, here's what's weird. She ended up working uh, at a place where a girl that she worked with w was also an abductee. And that she met this girl at work. And they had very similar incidences. And they both had this weird... Um, and I could see it. I saw it literally under her skin. They have this weird thing on the right arm. It was like a ball. It looked like a, if you didn't know any better, you would think that it was like something wrong with her vein. Yeah. But like you, a she, little blood clot or something. Yes. And you could push it and it would go in and then kind of pop back out. And you, and you could feel like it was like a ball, like a, a weird, uh, like a little, I don't know what you want to call it, you know, but the girl that she worked with at this place, she had the same thing. Yeah. It was very bizarre. And so anyways, her friend, Christina, had at the pool party, and th this was a girl that she had just met. They were, uh, they ended up being neighbors, like they had moved in two houses down. They became friends, and they were, you know, having a get-together, and, and it was just them two left at the pool. When everybody left, same thing happened. Um, they look up, they see a bright light coming down from the sky. They didn't see, they, you know, they couldn't make out like a ship or anything like that. It was just a bright light. And then next thing you know, they're aboard what they believe was a spacecraft. This was when she was 13. Now, the first thing that, 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 that came to greet them was this really, really, really extremely tall gray that looked uh, like he was almost, uh, abnormally tall. Like he was like maybe seven foot tall, very, very different from the little grays that they had, you know, before. Yeah. Now at that point th there were four of the little ones that came out that were talking to that taller gray and they were speaking in like a tele tele telepathic way. And they were saying, this is the specimen that, you know, that we've, you know, and this is her, her charge. Oh, so she you know, could hear them. Yeah, they they were explaining like this is this is her okay. and and they they told her we're we're exp we're talking so that you can understand us that we are doing this because of you know whatever they were giving her some kind of reasons I don't remember exactly what all she said because I don't have the exact notes right in front of me 
but they were telling her that, that we've been watching you, we've been studying you, and this is why, and blah, blah, blah. Now, they let her get up off of the table. She walked over to what looked like a window that was like a triangle, and she could see stars. Like, it was like in space. And she looked down at the earth, which she thought was the earth, and it just looked like a flat, um, I don't mean the earth was flat. What I mean is like, it just looked like she was looking at it from an angle where it was sideways. You know what I mean? Like she's like, it didn't look like, like how you would think of as the earth as being, it was just like sideways view of it. And they said, that is your planet. And she's like, oh, okay. And they, they began to talk to her about their mission and all this other stuff. And they said that they actually are not interested in any. There's no emotional involvement there. They're not interested in causing her any pain or discomfort, but that they were only doing a job. And she said, who are you, you know, who are you working for? Basically act asking them like, who are your benefactors? Like, what is this? And this tall mantis looking thing comes through this open archway. And it was like wearing this weird looking blue, uh, cloth over its shoulders, kind of like a shawl, but it kind of went down all the way down. And it kind of came in with these weird backward bent legs, almost like how people describe a dog man with a backward bent legs. Yeah. And it came in and it began to make a, a series of clicking noises. And for some reason she could understand what the, what it was saying. Now she looked over and she saw her friend Christina completely unconscious with tubes in her nose, ears and, and whatever. And they were pulling out this, or, or pumping in or pulling out orange liquid. You know what the heck it was. And she said that this, this tall being came out and said that we are trying to understand human consciousness. That's what it told her. Then it told her to lay back down and relax. And then she went to sleep. She woke up. She was in severe pain. She had abdominal cramps um, for like a month. It was just like really, really bad. And so and some things were done that we're not going to get into. And so she ended up uh, going to the hospital because she was bleeding, having all kinds of problems, um, nosebleed. I mean, everything, you name it. She was having all kinds of issues. And so about two months after that incident, she was revisited. And this time, the same scenario, but she was at a uh, coming home from a friend's. I believe this. I believe the same friend's. She was coming home. And uh, walking back to her house was like two or three houses down. She saw a bright light coming down the street, once again, mimicking what seemed like a car. And the next thing you know, she's back on this same vessel or whatever it is um, and having a conversation with two beings. One was obviously very feminine, female, which was even a different color. It was a grayish green, whereas the first one was a brownish green, uh, br brownish gray. Now these two were were these like mantis creatures? Mantis looking okay. creatures, yeah. The same kind of MO with the long skinny arms. She didn't see any barbs on the back of the arms like the people from Mount Bonnell. Yeah. Um the legs were more straight from what, you know, of this of the second being, the female being, and she thought that they are of the same species, but maybe they have some differences between the male and the female. Um the female one though did did appear to look a little bigger like more bulky. Um, and it was also very much more, uh, business-like. Um, but it talked softer, like with a softer tone, kind of like, you know, just relax, but it was like straight to business. Hey, we're, this is what we need. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And we're going to help you because you became ill from the side effects of whatever happened the time before. 
So then they told her that she needed to relax and they put her under some sort of sedation by putting this thing over her face, this weird, ill-fitting mask. And she said that it was very uncomfortable. And when she woke up, she could feel like the scratches and there was like uh, lines on her face. Like you could see, you know. And so the whole time this is happening, her brother was going through some sort of weird, um, like he was claiming that the house was haunted and he was seeing ghosts and all kinds of weird stuff. He ended up going into a treatment center and then he ended up going into a long-term treatment center and he was gone for like six months. Um, she believes that he was having some sort of abduction episodes that he wasn't remembering. That's what she claimed. So anyways, this went on, she said, and at this point when we were talking, I believe she was in her mid to late twenties. I think she was a little bit older than me at the time. And she, she went on and, t and told me all these weird stories and, and, you know, um, of like ghosts and different stuff that in various stuff that had happened to her. Now here's weird. Something I was going to put in another episode, um, but it was a vampiric type entity. And she said that she was in a room, um, at one point during her abductions. Now I'm jumping ahead because a lot of the other stuff she had told me was about like some ghost paranormal stuff that happened when she was living in a house. And she thinks somehow that it's connected to the alien stuff, you know? Um, but she said that at one point she was taken aboard, once again, aboard this ship. There was this thing that was strapped down to a table. Now, people at home are going to recognize this, okay? This thing began to like slat, like a, like lash out and freak out and start to flop around and his tongue was coming out. And she said, you know, when we were talking about it, the way she said it, it almost sounded like venom. You know, his tongue kind of flops around and comes yeah. out. And she said, this thing looked horrible. It was hideous. It was white, almost translucent. It had a flat face. And she said, and the way she described it, almost like, you know how Ultron on the comic, his head, she's like, it was like weird looking. It had like these weird, the, the teeth were like where it's like, it didn't have teeth like we would. It was like the mouth came down into these weird looking triangles that were just like, like, a, like how like a jack-o'-lantern would look. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to describe. And she said that this thing turned and looked at her and was like, <laughs> like making this hissing noise. That's the best I could do, folks. Um, but but she said it was like this weird, like hissing noise and his tongue was flicking out. And then she's like, oh my gosh, this thing is like, you know, seven, eight feet from her. Next thing you know, it pops one of the straps and then the arm is starting to get free. And she said that the arm began to elongate and stretch going towards her. And at this point, she began to scream at the top of her lungs. And then- Eventually, it popped a leg free, and then this thing was pulling itself. It Jeez. was undoing itself, yeah. And then she's like, it was looking right at her like, oh, like I was its next meal. She's like, the whole time, she's just screaming and freaking out, and she's like uh, immobile. She couldn't move. There was nothing she could do. And this thing gets up off of the table, and she's like, it goes and starts hopping around the room, and there's no exit. There's no door that she could see anywhere. It was just like a, it was like a room with no door. So it was like a nightmare. And then this thing decides to go up to where she's at. And as it stands up, she's like, then she realizes how big and tall it really was. She says it's probably about seven and a half feet tall. And she says at that point, two or three of these uh, mantis looking creatures come into the room and literally it turns, lunges at them. One of them just opens up its like weird looking arm looking thing and like slashes this thing open and it falls on the ground, flopping around. Well, it's about time. Yeah, exactly. And then they told her, don't worry about it. It's not going to hurt you. 
you know, and she was like, didn't seem like it. It looked like it was very much about to kill me. And then they waited till the last minute. She got the distinct impression that they were letting it happen just so they could see, like they were testing and like maybe, you know, how afraid somebody is, you know what I mean? Yeah. To observe her, observe fear. her fear. Yeah. And now folks at home are going to recognize this thing. It sounds like, it sounds like, what does it sound like to you? The rake? Yeah, Absolutely. And so you're going like, what, you know, I mean, maybe not to a T, you know, she said it had black beady eyes, you know, um, but yeah, it very much sounded like one of those creatures. She said when it, when it was cut open, it began to flop around and that there was like this weird looking, like a uh, bubbly looking thing that came out of its chest and was almost like it was a, like, it was kind of trying to slink away from the body. And it was like, it was weird, almost like some sort of parasite inside of it or whatever. And that they that one of the mantis creatures literally picked that up and walked it and took it out of the room. Uh, don't know what that was, uh, but it was gross. So she said that that was the the last encounter she had with these praying mantis creatures. Um, there was no more interaction with them. Uh, she did have another abduction experience where she saw what looked like this creature that she described as a baby Godzilla looking headed creature. Um, and that was just basically it, you know, and then she said that, that they, that the abductions were ongoing. She showed me marks on her arms and her ankles and different stuff. And, you know, and so I, I don't know, that was her story. That's what she gave us. And, and so, um, you know, there were several of us that, that remember, I know, I know if I remind my friends, they'll remember her and that the story that she gave, you know, um, but yeah, so that's her story. Here's the last story I got, and this one, uh, it, this is a, this is a crazy one too. Now, Dogman fans will, will get a, get the, a rise out of this one. This one's not real long, but I can tell you, this was a person who, once again, they had been having abduction experiences uh, from the time that they were like six years old, as far as they could remember, from their time they were six until they, and that when this happened to them, they were forty six. So you can imagine having. You know, 46, from the age of six to 46, that's 40 years of abductions. Okay. So one of these uh, abductions, uh, when they were in their 20s, uh, involved these tall praying mantis type creatures, two of them, who were very aggressive with with her. Uh, They basically, she was uh, walking down a trail with with another female friend of hers. She never wanted to go anywhere by herself. Because she felt like, you know, if, if she went anywhere by herself, that something could happen. And she said she eventually got used to <clears throat> just, it could happen at any time, anywhere, it didn't matter. And so she just had to live with it. It's a horrific thing. These people have to just deal with this. I mean, at any given time, these things can just come down and grab you and do whatever the kind of horrific, demonic thing they want to do to you. Uh, and, and it's just awful. You know, and so anyway, she's 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 running, jogging with her friend down this trail. She said it had been about two years since anything had happened. Uh, she said she was in her mid twenties, and there was something that just stepped out of the woods right in front of them, and it looked like a werewolf. She said, like this thing came out of the woods sideways. She said it was just like literally standing there, and it just she's like it was just like it was it was breathing hard, like it had just ran, you know. And she said it kind of looked around and it looked right at them. And she said that they immediately froze in place. She said right then she lost track of 
any like memory, nothing. It was like, there was, it was just like a blank. And then next thing you know, she's waking up in a field and her friend was laying there next to her. Now you would think, you know, like a lot of dog man stories you get, you're not, that's not happening. You're not getting a dog man story where they just see a dog man. Next thing you know, they're missing time and they feel like they've been abducted or something. But she said, for whatever reason, she knew that that was an abduction. Um, what, what she had never seen one of these, these werewolf looking creatures before. Okay. And this is actually how this person found me because of the dog man thing. Um, she said, I'd never seen one of these creatures before, but she knew right then that that was, that was her being abducted by one of these creatures. Okay. Now the proof to her came about six months after that she got abducted again. This time the mantis creatures showed up with the grays. Um, she was in the middle of the woods. She was taken to a, a location, literally, um, just picked up. She was going to her car. She was, I think she said she was working at like target or something. And she was walking out to her car. Next thing you know, she's missing. She's like, wakes up, you know, doesn't, doesn't know where she's at. She's like, basically, uh, ended up with missing time, you know, several hours, but she was in a, a, a in a clearing in the woods she could look out of what looked like like a little window and she could see just like there was like a clearing, like there was a woods, you know? And she said that she looked out and she saw one of those dog-headed creatures walk around the side of this enclosure she was in and look in at her. And she said it looked in at her and it was the most horrific thing. It just looked at her like it wanted to kill and eat her. And right then something said, don't be afraid. And when she turned around, there was this feminine she said feminine. I don't know how she knew that. I asked her. She said, I just know it was feminine and that it was a gray, tall, looked like a cross between a gray alien and a mantis, a praying mantis. She said, literally, if you took a mantis and you melded it together with a gray alien, that's what it looked like. And it said, don't be afraid. Those are our sentinels. And she's like, okay. And she's like, but don't make any sudden moves. Okay. And don't be aggressive. She looks over and there's another one in the corner and it's standing there with its arms crossed. She said that that one looked more regal, more like, uh, she could just tell he was like a leader. Yeah, like not as feral. And- yeah. And he, and it, he had his arms crossed. He said, you know how Anubis crosses his arms yeah. just standing there, you know, and he's just like observing her. But she said that this thing had an air of arrogance about it. Like, you know, like you're nothing, you know, like she said that these creatures had no love for us at all. And so she said she looked over at it and she be, she tried to speak to it and it just like boom like it like just blocked her communication like like somebody blocks you on Facebook you know boom you're blocked don't want anything to do with you don't care it was just there doing its job and she she said that she got a horrific feeling from it she said just then right then another one of these mantis looking creatures came in they threw her onto the, onto the, onto the, 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 the bed. It wasn't a bed. She said there was like a, a metal slab with like a thin padding of like what feels like a gel foam on it. And she said they threw her onto it really hard and they began to hold her down. And she said that when she looked over in the corner of the room, she saw what looked like a human being that had been dissected. Like it was a, a dead. Okay. Now you notice the first that in that first story, same thing. Person that was dead, yeah. you know what I mean. So these things, to me, they're not afraid to kill us. They don't care. So she looks over, she sees this dissected person or whatever, 
And she's like, she's like, at that point, she's like, I was so afraid. I didn't know what to do. She's like, I just began to pray and I began to pray and I began to say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. She says, I don't know. She's like, I wasn't a Christian. It wasn't even, you know, it wasn't anything. And that one of these, these mantis creatures literally put its weird looking, she had like this weird looking three fingered kind of hand thing over its mouth and said, stop that. You know, and like literally through a telepathic communication, it says, stop talking, stop moving, or this is going to become painful. And she said, when she did, this dog-headed creature from the corner came walking over to her and then lowered itself and began to snarl and, and, and growl in her face. And they said, one more, one more move and, you know, that's it. And she got the, the distinct impression that this thing was about to just bite her head off or her face if she moved again. So eventually, they put her under. They they put some kind of weird thing on her face. Uh, it's very another similar similarity here. She went unconscious. She wakes up and she's in a uh, parking lot, the parking lot where she worked at, whatever. But she was laying on the trunk of her car, on top of her car, with no pants, no shoes, just her shirt, and that's it. And she's just like, "What in the heck?" She couldn't find her freaking keys. You know, her purse was gone. She didn't know where it was at. So she began, she's like, well, maybe I just walk around. Maybe I'll, maybe they're around here somewhere. I'll find them. She's like, she stumbled around. She found a few things from her purse. And then she kind of followed a little trail and there was her purse. Um, didn't find the keys. So she had to embarrassingly call someone that she knew to come in and get her. And then had to go and, and get her boyfriend to get the keys. And he's like, why are you, you know, not fully clothed? And it was a whole weird, I mean, it was horrible. It was a horrific thing that happened to her. And then he thinks, you know, who knows what she was doing. He thought maybe she was on drugs or something, you know. And, and eventually uh, her experiences led to her, you know, ruining three of her relationships and, and a marriage um, because of these incidents. Uh, but she does remember... Um, she said probably, uh, two or three years after that, she saw one of these wolf looking like creatures, uh, come in through her back door and she was sitting there in, in the living room watching TV. She's like, I was watching some game show, you know, whatever it was just whatever. She looks over, she sees this werewolf looking creature. He kind of beckons to her to come with him. And she already knew the drill. She stood up. At that point, she doesn't remember anything. She just remembers like being outside in the backyard and these two mantis-looking creatures and this wolf-like creature in the distance. And they just dropped her and they and they left her laying there. And she was just kind of like, you know how she said, when you go under for like a colonoscopy, I don't know if anybody's had one, um, where you go under twilight, she said that it's what it felt like. She was kind of like half-conscious and that they, she could hear them communicating, saying, "Oh, she, she's awake," and that they, they took off, and she don't know how they left or where they came. She couldn't move her body to see, and uh, so as far as I know, this is ongoing too. Um, she said that it happens like just randomly. There's no rhyme or reason. She can't predict it. She's tried everything from the, the from the, uh, the, uh, the 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 alignment of the planets to the phases of the moon. She can't figure out any type of one time type of month. She can't. There's no. There's nothing. It's random. Completely random. She can't find any pattern to it at all. Yeah, it's probably just based on on whatever research they're doing, and th there's no way for us to know like what timeline that follows. Yeah. 
So the, that those are encounters with the mantis creatures, and in the, of course, the last one, mantis creatures working with what seems to be uh, some type of dog man. Um, yeah. So you listening at home, be thankful that it's not happening to you. And if it is, well, get in touch with me. Um, you know, and I'm I'm very sorry if you have to go through that kind of horrific nightmare. Um, these things obviously have no regard for us. Um, it just kind of makes me put ourselves in the shoes of animals that that uh, like you know you, you see marine biologists who, who they'll they'll capture like a like a shark or a, or a, a killer whale and they'll tag it mm-hmm. and, and and they'll follow it throughout the course of its life and and from time to time depending on what kind of research they're doing they'll they'll find it again and and they'll pull it out of the water and whatever they'll 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 take that tag off of it and get the data from it and so on and so forth but you know if if you put yourself in the shoes in that animal's position they don't have no way to understand exactly what is going on and so they're they're, they're being pulled out of the water at random times and they and they have no concept of of what land is or, or or air or or any of these things and so they just obviously go into full panic mode that they they're not capable of knowing that they're they're uh, being researched that they're a subject and that they're not in danger or, or whether or not they are in danger they just that there's no there's no capability to comprehend there and uh it, it's like the same concept with these these aliens that that are abducting people you know i mean they may not they may not be benevolent they may not be malevolent i mean we're just things to be studied and if if that if that means if that results in our death then, then so, so be, be it, it. Mm-hmm. you know it, it's like it's like they're not going out of the way to exterminate people or, or to torture or kill but they don't it, care yeah yeah but if that's what if that's what needs to happen then so be it so be it yeah because you're just like an ant to them yeah you're nothing to them, yeah. And uh, folks, I got a few other of these stories too. That that that's all for for tonight. We're going to talk about and, uh, but yeah, it, it is horrific, very horrific. What some of these people have gone through. Um, if you or anybody you know has gone through any of this, and they would like to to talk about it, and you know, we can put it out there. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm a therapist and I can help you. You know, but I can I can only tell you what I know of others who've gone through this and what I know of the phenomena. Um, I can't really do much else. You know, we're not, uh, we're not therapists, you know? I mean, even though some people pretend to be, I mean, you can't, (laughs) there's really nothing you can do. I mean, you know, um, talking about it though, can be cathartic. Um, I believe. Yeah. I mean, it's like, there's really nothing that anyone can say. The, uh, the best that someone else can do for you is just listen and, you know, I mean, that's pretty much it. Yep. And so if you are going through something like that, you know, or you know somebody who is, that's, and nobody's listening to them, and that's that's the hard part is that people, you know, they go through these horrific experiences and nobody's hearing them, nobody's listening to them. It's important um, to have your feelings validated. Yep. And so that's all for tonight, folks, and uh, I'm glad you tuned in. And, uh, and thank you for, for joining us. And uh, we're going to definitely uh, – uh, keep going, making you know, making more episodes. We have a ton of material to cover, and we're gonna keep keep going and and bringing some some guests and doing some things. And uh, you guys have a good weekend. From everybody here at PRT, 
uh, me, Wolf, and Anthony, uh, Nelly, you know, everybody, Ryan, Mooshu. Good night.